So you blew me off for a bottle of tequila. Tequila's no good for you. Doesn't call, doesn't write. It's not nearly as much fun to wake up. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Scalpels and Tequila, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. If you're new here, uh, we sit around, we talk about Grey's Anatomies and give you some insider gossip into what's going on, but mostly um, a fair amount of shit talking. Yeah, and lots of me defending Izzy and you hating on Izzy. And me, I'm Ayla. Hi. I'm Tamsin. <laughs> and today we're back on season two, episode 14. Tell me lies, tell me, tell sweet, me sweet little lies. You won't know what that song is. Yeah, we don't need to reiterate that one. So I think this is probably one of our first titles that is very obvious what this episode's about. It's really just hitting us right in the face with the theme of this episode. And that is It's all dogs. about honesty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we both went the same way there. Um, but in the spirit of this episode, I would like to play a little game. You're doing evil fingers. You're doing an evil laugh. What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> um, so this is a game that we used to play in high school. And it was two truths and a lie. Or you can do it the opposite way. Do you want to play? Did what, you play two this lies game in and a truth. Yeah, and I'm, I have to tell you, I'm really bad at it. I thought you were going to be really bad at it. Oh my God, thanks. Thanks for the word of confidence. Because I'm the worst liar you've ever met. Yeah, and you're just really genuine and can't believe that anybody else wouldn't be. All right, so I've got mine. I think they're pretty simple, but you have to guess which one of these is a lie. All right, shoot. All right, so number one, it only takes me around an hour to wash my hair. Number two, I made 10 kilos of cookie dough today. Number three, I firmly believe that you should fart on the first date to establish dominance. Oh my God, (laughs) these are really good. Okay, so, okay, I'm going to talk you through them. The farting thing, I believe, is a truth. That just sounds like something you would say. (laughs) I just feel like I know you well enough to 100% agree that's the truth. So we fart on the first date to establish dominance Thank you very much. 10 kilos of cookie dough. I know you were making cookies today because I saw it on your Instagram. And then you also told me you just had to stop making cookies so we could record the podcast. So. But 22 pounds of cookie dough. Wait, let me be a detective. Are you going to search how much cookies tend to weigh? Is that what? No. Okay. Hang on. You started cooking cookies, says your Instagram, three hours ago. That's a long time. I also have pretty severe ADHD, had to take four phone calls and managed to prep dinner and do two loads of washing today. You said, okay, and you said at 2.30, let me finish up this cookie dough. So that was an hour ago. Three hours. So you were making cookie dough for two hours. 10 kilos of cookies. Most cookies are 40 yes, grams. But when you cook, you feed the neighborhood you'll make heaps of stuff and then you'll call all your friends and be like, I've just made 30 cakes. Do you want a cake? I'll bring you a cake. Or I've just made heaps of chili oil. I'll bring you three kilos of chili oil. You are so incorrect. I'm incredible at portioning. No, but you do it intentionally so you can feed all your friends. Okay. An hour to wash your hair. The fact that you said only an hour to wash your hair is the curious bit of that sentence because an hour is a really long time. I have a lot more hair than you and I can wash my hair in like 10 minutes. Okay. So which one is the lie? But, but you 
have a very particular type of hair situation because I know you really look after your curls. So then potentially in your hair care regime, there's like 30 different products. I wish they were all lies. I think you take longer to wash your hair. I think that's the lie. (laughs) Yes. I think you made a lot of cookie dough and it takes you a really long time to wash your hair. So I'm right. It takes me like three to four hours to wash my hair. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Done. That was good. That was fun. Sorry, everyone. Let's get into Grey's Anatomy. Truth or dare, truth or lies. George spends the day sneaking his patient into other departments while her daughter's house is being renovated. Christina and Mare's patients are lying to themselves, much like they are. Izzy and Alex's task for the day is to calm the competition between man and dog, woman and hot dog. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. It's a roll. Oh, okay. So Meredith opens this episode with her monologue, and her monologue really is all about lying. It's actually so much less medical chat this week because we do get quite a lot of medical in these. I find in these seasons it's a a really good sort of 70-30 mix. There's – yeah. so we actually had a couple of new writers on this show, which is why I think that this um, monologue might be a little bit different. Um, So these writers are actually a married couple who just moved over from shows like Law and Order and more periodical programs. Uh, So they have quite a lot of influence on this, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I think that's really interesting too, that this this couple gets to explore these characters and talk about the emotional journeys of these characters because they, you know, shows that are more procedural um, don't, don't carry over their stories as much as a show like Grey's Anatomy. So they're very like, you know, they wrap up everything every episode so you don't have to watch every single episode as a viewer. You can just tune in here and there and you still understand what's going on. Whereas Grey's Anatomy carries over so much. I really like reading about them that they uh, realise that they've been in a relationship for about the same amount of time as Derek and Addison. So they've reflected a bit of themselves and a bit of their knowledge into the show, which is, I think, why this episode is particularly unsettling in regards to their relationship. Mm, That's so true. Because Derek and Addison, I think, as viewers, we're made to forget that they have been together for a really long time. They have 12 years done all their Christmases together. They know each other's families really well. They've lived together for so long. They know every facet of each other's personality and we're supposed to just root for Meredith and kind of treat Addison as this villain that doesn't have the history with Derek that Meredith does because we're all like, but it's about Meredith. He loves Meredith. They're supposed to be together when in actuality Meredith hardly knows him. They have, what, three months? They have very little foundation at all. In fact, she's begging him for information. Maybe when she gets to know him, she won't like him that much. It's just, it's good to remember and it's good to see Derek and Addison really at ease and in like comfortable with each other. And I think we get a little flash of their comfortability at the end of this episode. I thought it felt really strained. Hmm. Interesting. So that everyone is lying to themselves in this episode, as we've established and Meredith's monologue is far from medical today because it is all about the emotional sacrifice of lying to yourself. 
As doctors, we're trained to be skeptical because our patients lie to us all the time. The rule is every patient is a liar until proven honest. Lying is bad, or so we are told constantly from birth. Honesty is the best policy. The truth shall set you free. I chopped down the cherry tree, whatever. The fact is, lying is a necessity. We lie to ourselves because the truth, the truth freaking hurts. No matter how hard we try to ignore or deny it, eventually the lies fall away, whether we like it or not. But here's the truth about the truth. It hurts, so we lie. Look, I think the last line is a little bit unnecessary because it just kind of repeats, but I think this monologue's really good. I do too, but it... it I think it sounds yeah, like... it brings Mary. up two points, though. Are you... Or two different sides to people. I think that all of us sort of have this belief that lie, uh, lying is wrong and honesty is the best policy, but then all of us can see where white lies help. Oh, definitely. You can use them as such a form of protection, you know? You can use little white lies to build up a bit of a barrier from the things that hurt you. But I do believe it will all eventually come crashing down. <laughs> and I think everyone's seen that a few too many times. But in this episode, we follow a couple of different storylines. Uh, I have a personal favourite. We follow so, so many, many. storylines. There's so much that goes on this episode. There's so many characters. We see a quintessential Greys. Uh, not necessarily a trope in this episode where our patients really reflect our doctors. And none so much as Meredith and Christine as patients. Um, of course, we have our fun patients, and one of which I love. Who's your favourite? The hot dog eating? Mrs. Oh, Sophie. Yeah. Mrs. Sophie is who I want to be when I'm older. Yeah. Mrs. Sophie's wonderful. We love her. Like, she's, that's the, that's the pinnacle yes, of growing old 100%. to me. 100%. That's what I want. But, like, still wear lipstick every day. Just hang out in, like, beautiful bedrobes. Just be able to do whatever you like. I met that woman recently, actually. My friend um, Adam, his Adam's girlfriend, uh, Emma, is a, a listener of ours. And her grandmother-in-law, this woman all over. I don't like hanging out with people in their 80s. They're all old. And so she just sat and talked shit with all the girls and just wanted all the gossip. That's ideal. That's the ideal way to grow old. That's, I love that. And it's exactly who Sophie Larson is. She's this stunning showgirl who just is singing constantly so that they will give her a new TV remote. And Sophie just does not want to leave the hospital. And she gets George as her doctor, her doctor of nothing really, more like a babysitter, because for some reason George keeps having to babysit the older patients. Instead of actually doing any work. And it's Weber mm. again, who this woman had a hip replacement a, a month ago. She should have been, she got discharged. And Weber doesn't want to deal with her in one of the most hilarious fashions I've seen. I love that we're getting so much more Weber in season two. Because she swindled Weber into staying. And now Weber's palmed her off to George to again, do no medicine all day. Absolutely no medicine. And George is just kind of running around, trying to fetch her remote, do what she wants. And George starts feeling quite sorry for her because she explains that she doesn't want to leave the hospital because she doesn't want to go into the retirement home. And she lies to George about her daughter setting up a bedroom for her at her house, but her daughter's house is being renovated. So she just needs somewhere to pass the time, somewhere to live, somewhere to wait before moving into her beautiful new pink room at her daughter's house. And George eats this up, takes the bait, and then starts helping her kind of (laughs) 
come up with new diagnoses. Diagnoses? This is Weber's idea. It is. He comes in and sneaky, schemey suggests that he finds other places for her to go. And the first place he sends her with a new diagnosis <laughs> is to OB because her uterus is acting up. <laughs> <laughs> the uterus that she hasn't had for the last 30 years. So then they decide that she has a different condition instead. Oh, yeah, they send her to um, disease control. For infectious diseases. It's kind of cute. At this point, George really has formed a little bond with her and he's getting ne- nicknamed Irish and she adores him. With the swagger. Yeah, with a swagger. And George kind of lets it slip over this patient because, again, our doctors just love talking about their personal lives in front of their patients. Every time. He lets it slip that Meredith chose a dog instead of him, (gasps) which takes us back to the opening of this episode. So we open this episode with Meredith and Christina, and they are kind of both hiding upstairs in the OR gallery. They weren't expecting to see the other one there. And we very quickly realize that Christina is hiding from Burke and Meredith is waiting for McDreamy. And very quickly, Christina says, oh, you're calling him McDreamy again, are we? Is that happening? What's that about? Mm. Oh, okay. I love calling my friends out like that and being called out like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because it's so, it's so indicative of your friends knowing you really mm-hmm. well. Like those friends that you just can't hide anything from. That's what that reminds me of. And it's it's nice. It's nice that they have this level of friendship. Although I'm surprised Christina didn't lie and that she just straight out told Meredith that she had still kept her apartment, even though Burke thinks they've moved in together. Yeah. Look, I don't think there's anything wrong with her keeping her apartment. Neither do I. But I, I do think it's wrong that she's not explaining that to Burke. I think she can say, like, hey, I'm just keeping my apartment just for my own security or I have plans to, like, sublease it just to get some rent because I'm not ready to let go of it yet or I have so much stuff it's going to take me a really long time to move everything. But I have moved into yours. I've got all my belongings there, but I'm just, like, I don't have enough time to fully move yet. I, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But still, the thing that's wrong is that she hasn't actually explained. Yeah, the thing is that Burke thinks we've moved in together. Exactly. And that's the problem. And oh, isn't Burke just the most grateful? Because <laughs> after all of this, Christina ends up working with Derek today. And Meredith ends up working with Burke. So we get a little swapsy swap. The partner's swapping on Grace yeah, and Yeah, so the best friends, they are complaining about these men. And then all of a sudden... They are stuck with the other one's guy, which brings us some pretty interesting conversations. So Burke actually has a little chat with Meredith on the stairwell where he invites Meredith over for dinner to his and Christina's house. And he says it in such a way, I want Christina to feel comfortable to have her friends over. You're her best friend. And Meredith does not play this cool. No, (laughs) she does not smile (laughs) and say, yeah, absolutely. 
No. I mean, Christina has literally just told her that she's pretending to be living there with Burke. And then Meredith goes and acts like she has no idea what Burke's talking about. She doesn't know anything about it too. But like, this is a bad friendship move on Meredith's part. If I was Christina and I watched this interaction, I would be mad at her. Yeah. Or it's, it's even the fact that all she had to say was that'd be nice. That's it. That's it. Not ask him why? The weirdest question. Why is that so so socially awkward? Just great. One word answer. Because she doesn't know Burke very well. Go and ask all the questions to Christina. Just put on a happy face, put on a smile, pretend like you know everything that's going on. Just make Burke happy for a second and then go be weird to Christina. Yeah. I would have immediately asked Christina, okay, what do I say when he invites me around for dinner? Mm -hmm. And you say, yes, you idiot. I was pretty mad at the way Meredith handled this. Oh, Like, why you got to be so awkward, Meredith? Same. Absolutely furious. But Meredith is not handling things well today at all. No. Because we, Izzy and George, start the day in the locker room. Oh, no, start the day standing outside the hospital banging furiously on the glass at Meredith and Christina on that fun walkway, dog in hand. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't think you're allowed to bring a dog to a hospital. No. <laughs> I think there definitely are dogs in hospitals. But like trained support dogs. That's <laughs> You can't bring your own personal dog, though. So they bring Doc into their little intern's locker room area and they... Give Meredith a bit of an ultimatum. They're saying, we are so sick of this dog. It has to go. And George says, Meredith, I am moving out. It is the dog or me. My foot is down. I would choose the dog, honestly. George can go. (laughs) I am done with George. Completely done with George. The dog needs love and attention and walks. It just needs a few things. And then it was George. Yeah, but George is like stroppy and a little baby about it. I can't, I can't handle George. Look, I think it's fair and reasonable. We've established they should never have had a dog to be like, hey, we need to sit yeah. down and have a talk of this. None of us are taking care of it. It is your dog. You need to make the call. We need to find a home. Yeah. And Meredith, don't be so selfish. You should have gotten this dog a home a while ago. But my favorite is this whole episode. My favorite lie is the dog. Because Bailey walks in and says, is that a dog? And everyone in unison, no. It's not a dog. It's not a dog. Because they have, there's been this running joke between Izzy and George that it's not a dog, that it's a wolf dressed in dog's clothing. Mm-hmm. So I do find that pretty funny. But any in any case, the dog stays at the hospital all day. Following Meredith around, hiding in corners. It's a bit cute. It is a really cute looking dog. It looks like it feels oily. It's a big, cute, scruffy teddy bear. But Bailey takes us around and we meet all of our patients today. Christina is working with Derek, as we said, on Rick, a failed guitarist. This was definitely written by an older generation. I don't think that metalheads have ever looked like that. I'm so offended every time. I know. (laughs) But also, like... It feel the whole storyline with this guy feels so cliche. Even the fact that he's got like all these bandmates and these girls in his room, smoking cigarettes, like in a hospital, and they're playing guitars. There's a guitar on the bed, like so. He's he's closed his fingers on the the van and cut his fingers off, and they're about to play this big gig, and it's just like 
okay, I, sh yep. I just, I can't get over the way they're dressed and the way they're told to act and the bad fake tattoos. Oh, the ones on his hand? Yep. The head terrible. Um, so they come rushing in and the fingers follow him later. Christina just doesn't really have any time for him. She's pretty rude from the get-go. Is she rude or is she Before honest? even the stuff about cigarettes come off. Uh, before even the stuff about cigarettes comes into play. Like, I feel like she's pretty rude. She's really blunt. I mean, what do we expect? It's Christina. But she's working with the most compassionate guy in medicine. And he pulls her up on it. And she she just says to him, your harsh is another man's refreshing. And he says, have a little compassion. And she's going, compassion? Have you ever heard of it? Oof. Yeah. So... This Christina-Derek dynamic that we get today is really quite amazing. I love watching these two interact. I love how fiercely protective Christina is of Meredith today. I feel like we just don't see this very often at all. No, I feel like we don't even we don't see Christina and Derek interact very much at all. But we don't see this from Christina a lot. We see her really vehemently defending herself and fighting for her. Yep. But you never see her standing up for anyone else. That's true. And she's laying into him. She doesn't allow him at all to pull rank. No, and we see that specifically in this elevator conversation. But this is the first little sort of quick thing she says to him that really sets the tone for the day and their interactions. Um she does go on to have quite a meaningful time with her patient. I think they do – she develops bonds with people, even though she doesn't have to be pleasant with them, which is so strange, because he has this chat with her about what will happen to his fingers, and she's like, they're going to rot off if you have a cigarette again. You just want your last cigarette. And she figures out that he's been lying about quitting. And he kind of realises that he doesn't want to be the creepy guy at the end of the bar – with one hand who talks about how he used to be a guitarist and he's like yeah look I get that I really don't want to be the creepy guy at the end of the bar but like I didn't know my last cigarette was my last one I just want to have one more cigarette and then I'm done and then I can be finished with it so Christina takes him outside for a cigarette and gets caught by Derek and he he initially is mad at her for the medicine but then it just very quickly changes and Christina lays into him in the elevator we get Derek trying to confront Christina, saying, what the hell is the matter with you? And this is where Christina really gets her friendship on. She's like, we're in an elevator. That's your specialty, right? McDreamy's moments in the elevator. For a moment, I'm not Dr. Yang and you're not Dr. Shepard. You're the guy who screwed up my friend, the guy who drove her to get a dog because she can't keep, a dog she only got because her boyfriend lied to her. I know a liar when I see one because I am a liar. Want me to lie to the patient? Fine, I'll lie. And I love Christina so much. I already love Christina, but in this moment, I think she's incredible. Wait a sec, like, what a terrifying thing to say to your boss. But also, like, she's right, so he can't really do anything about it. I think that we look back on Christina and we love her. But I don't remember loving her when the show first came out. You did think she was the mean girl. And then it's acts like this that have turned her into a character that people so desperately love. Oh, no, I've always loved I've always loved her. But this is a deeper level. This is you genuinely seeing her care and compassion for someone else and not being selfish for the first time. Yeah. And it's kind of like, maybe we'll see that with Alex. 
We've seen little bits of it. Yeah. But they're the reasons we love him, and it's the same with Christina. But this is just so good. I want all of my friends to love me this totally. kind of way. Totally, except that I would be so embarrassed if I was Meredith and knew that she had said this to Derek. Yeah, but I think, it, I don't know. Why? Because Meredith, all she's tried to do this whole time is like keep her cool around Derek and act like he's not affecting her. And this is her best friend being like, you're affecting her so much. You're fucking her up. Did you see that dog today? That's because of you. And that was a bad choice. And she's not coping. Do you know what the worst part is? We've both switched on this halfway through. We've both switched on the lies. We thought she was being such a cool friend. And now we're like, oh, bit of a shit thing to do. You've ousted me for being a hot mess. But it is a really good thing to do. I think in heart, like in hindsight, you'd appreciate your friend for future like, Meredith fighting for you. Yes, but for a little bit, this is so embarrassing. So embarrassing. So, like in the same way that if Christina saw what Meredith just did with Burke, she would be like, "You just outed me. Like you're so awkward. That was a terrible lie." <laughs> don't look. Don't look. Directly looks. If Meredith saw this, she'd be hiding under the covers of her bed and never coming out. Yep. But luckily, Derek Derek seems a bit sympathetic in this moment. He doesn't, you know, it's not like he's laughing at Meredith or being like, oh, what a silly little girl acting all mopey and silly and look at how much I've made her go a bit loopy. Like, he, he looks genuinely concerned that he's, he's affecting her this much. I I don't know. I'd if I was Meredith, I'd be so embarrassed. I can't not think about how embarrassed I would be. I'm kind of mad at him though. If this is what it's taken for you to realize, when literally everyone has been telling you to leave her the fuck alone, mm-hmm. come on. And it doesn't actually stop him from still being all McDreamy around her. It doesn't actually change his behavior. No, it doesn't. Even though she calls him out on being McDreamy as well, he's still doing it. Poor Addison. Luckily, Christine, uh, luckily, Meredith does get to spend most of her day away from Derek because she has a patient of her own. And her patient is just painfully in love, uncomfortably in love. Naomi needs to take it down a peg or two. Naomi has no chill. Naomi has no chill. So Naomi is an old patient of Burke's who has previously had a heart thing. A valve replacement. And she's come back because... Something's gone a little bit awry. That's me trying to uh, make you talk about the medical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so Naomi is a patient of Burke's. You did get that right. She had to have a bovine or a porcine valve replacement, and it seems to be failing. But you'd never know because this woman is just uncomfortably happy. Like think about a life coach who's just, fucking railed six lines of cocaine she's <laughs> newly married to her gorgeous husband who is the weediest looking accountant you've ever seen in your life and she just couldn't be happier about him being her little sex pest and it's it's kind of cute and burke is just full of rainbows and happiness and good relationship vibes because his girlfriend's just moved in and thinks she's the sweetest Yeah, so he sees absolutely nothing wrong with this. But the husband says to Meredith, 
she's exhausting. Nobody is that happy without drugs. Yeah. And he's like, I just thought the honeymoon would be over by now and we'd kind of just be a bit more normal. But this is too much. Which he's talking to the right person because that's exactly what Meredith would be thinking as well. Yeah, it's what she says to Burke. No one can be that happy. So she asks Burke if she can run a talk screen because you'd have to be on drugs. Something's up. Yeah. Something's up. Um, But it comes back absolutely fine. And then Meredith, again, breaks all of the rules and goes to get a tox screen again and forges Burke's signature because she's so sure that there's something in this woman's system that's making her like that. Yeah. She's about to get heart surgery and she's just gleeful. So then Burke catches her out because Burke is called to pick up the the results of this test that he has not asked for. And his response I find so inappropriate. He calls Meredith over and says, like, you broke all the rules. You forged my signature, but he's not mad because he believes that Meredith told Christina to move in with him. And he's like, thank you. And it's like, um, Burke, you have to separate this personal and professional boundary. You can't, you can't just be okay with Meredith forging your signature. Yeah. He's, he's holding his personal stuff over their professional relationship. And it's not good. Burke's never separated church and state though Mm -mm, it's really not good meredith should have absolutely been in trouble because the tox screen comes back negative and i couldn't really figure out how they figured out something was wrong with her because there was like a miss then this doctor miraculously comes in he's like oh hold on hold on here's one more her serotonin levels were sky high like way too high which turned out to be a symptom of a tumor And the other symptoms of the tumour are the asthma that she got and, like, a few things that were listed in her history that weren't really anything. But then with this serotonin, this sky-high serotonin, they were like, oh, that plus that plus that equals tumour, which is what's causing this euphoria. Yeah, I was really invested in the stories this episode and just went full Tampton and completely forgot all the medicine. So Meredith had a lucky break after she broke all the rules, which is kind of generally how it goes in this show most of the time, until maybe in a few episodes, but, you know. (laughs) And then I'm going to have a really bad time. Oh, yeah, so they go and do the surgery and we don't even find out what she's actually like. Yeah, we don't see her afterwards and what her real personality is, but the husband's pretty over the moon that she won't be this happy forever. Can you imagine if she's just, like, violently depressed? Well, who knows, because we don't find out. We do find out about Alex's patient, who is Yumi, and she has persistent hiccups, and he's working with Dr. Bailey. She's a competitive eater from Japan and has a translator. And she says my best line of the show, which is I eat little boys yes. like this for breakfast. So good. Isn't that great? I think that's my, that's my favorite line of this episode because Alex has watched her like a video of her doing competitive eating. And for some reason it is really turning him on and he's very <laughs> into her and he instantly tries to flirt and it's just like, tell her I'm a wrestler, tell her I'm an athlete. And this translator just doesn't. He's <laughs> just like... Nah, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that. He's like, this little baby doctor is trying to flirt with you. Tell him I eat boys like this, 
little boys like him for breakfast. And basically because of her competitive eating, she has torn a little tear Oh, she's torn in her esophagus. She's got a torn Which sounds fucking painful. Yes. Yeah, like seriously painful. Every time you breathe in or swallow. It's a nightmare. I mean, my throat was so sore during no. COVID. I feel like I can't even imagine it being sore. Like having a tear must be so much worse. Mm-hmm. And if it was bleeding, you'd be nauseous as well. Oh, yeah, gross. Yeah, no, absolutely But not. her coach just has absolutely no time for this and wants to get her back into this competition ASAP. And he's like, yep, you can do the surgery, but not today. You can do it we tomorrow. have to go out to this competition today. So do it tomorrow. And this coach ends up just just taking her, taking her out of the hospital and disappearing on everyone. And we only find this out because they only left them alone because Bailey clued into him not giving her the whole truth and sent for a translator. And in the time it took them to find one, he disappeared with her. And what we do get then from this storyline is a really really fun scene (laughs) of all of our gang at lunch. Christina, Alex and George decide to come to the lunch table with a pile Pile. of hot dogs. And Izzy is going to be the timer and they decide they're going to have a little hot dog eating competition. (laughs) And I just want to talk about the different ways that these three eat these hot dogs because I enjoy it so much. Well, I, I think, think it's Christina. so true to their personalities. Oh. The timer starts. The first person we see eating is Christina and she is nibbling down this sausage. She she pulls the hot dogs out of the buns <laughs> like a little rabbit. Like a little rabbit. Like, it's like a cartoon. She's nibbling them down and pushing them into her mouth. And I just think there's something so Christina about this. It's like very detailed, very efficient. It's all about like efficiency and getting these down. And then when it comes to the buns, she covers them in water to make them smaller and mushes them together. Okay. So do you know why this is the most Christina thing ever? Because she genuinely did her research. Because that is how people in food eating competitions eat hot dogs. Is it? They eat the meat first because it's really, really soft and they can bite it into small bits and chew it down so it doesn't clog up their system. But bread is hard. It's dense. You've got to take big mouthfuls and chew it. Or you can wet it till it turns into a slop and pretty much drink it. Christina did her research wow. on how to win at a hot dog eating competition. That's amazing. the other boys are just double fisting hot dogs into their faces. So, Yeah. Alex, I feel like, is doing this in the most, like, rough and tumble, I'm a tough boy, I'm a wrestler, get it down kind of way. Yeah. But but he's doing one at a time and he is just, like, taking huge bites and getting them (laughs) down. It's methodical, but it's a choking hazard. And then you've got George, (laughs) who's just a fucking mess. Like, George doesn't (laughs) – George is just – Getting it everywhere, slamming them into his mouth. He's eating like a child who is told they're allowed to put their hands and face in their birthday cake. He's eating like he'd be really bad at giving (laughs) head. Yeah, that's that's the kind of boy you look, you watch eat, and you're like, oh, I'm about to have a bad evening. (laughs) So Christina wins, Alex is second, and George will never finish. To and be I fair, think though, this is all really true to character. I was like, great, good acting. Everyone nails it. I don't think it was acting for George. I I believe he is not a man who partakes of the, the taco dinners. No, no, he's not. 
That's why he'd be terrible at it. No, but that's why he should be better at eating hot dogs. (laughs) (laughs) I tried not to do that joke. I tried to go the other way. Why was I the one doing them? (laughs) So I can wheeze at the people. Why was I the one doing them? They were so... They were... They were set up for A-Line. All you had to do is smash them out of the park. I was trying to take the high road. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Our patient fares about as well as George and she comes back into the hospital in an ambulance. Yeah. Because her coach is a jerk face, doesn't care about her health, only cares about her as an athlete and she collapsed. And now she is back for an even more intense surgery and probably the loss of her career. Yeah. And I think her ability to talk as well was potentially going to be damaged. And they're great. They don't let the coach in at all. Not until she's in recovery and has had a translator actually tell her what happened. Yeah. So it's a bit of a sad end to this storyline that gave us quite a lot of comedy gold today. I completely forgot, though. The one thing that Alex is lying to himself about is the fact that Dr. Webber, right at the start of the day, hands him his test results. And he just does not want to open that envelope. Poor Alex. He's just avoiding it as much as he can. And they've just made sure Yumi's okay and Izzy's finishing up the paperwork. Alex hands her the letter to open. And he's passed. And it seems like he's passed with flying colours. And she just kind of rolls her eyes That's at him. really sweet. He's like, congratulations, you're being a dummy. I can't believe you didn't look at this. I'll see. Just like, come on, put your big boy pants on. You've got this. Because they all knew he'd have it. So while the hot dog eating competition was happening, we just also need to mention that Meredith and Izzy were coming up with a little plan for Doc. Izzy is finally speaking reason and explaining to Meredith that this dog needs needs time to run around. It needs love and affection and attention. And we are interns and we are never home and we can't give this to the dog. And Meredith finally agrees. And the two girls are there kind of riding up a little like adopt this dog (laughs) poster. And who should see the poster? I would be mad if I was Addison because Derek sees the poster. And Derek loves dogs. Derek loves dogs. He also loves Meredith. A decision's made at some point. Meredith, Izzy and George drive up to Derek's trailer. And out come Derek and Addison, like a couple, all snuggled up. They've been indoors. They've come out together to adopt this dog. And This is where I was like, they do really feel like a couple when they're walking out together and they're like, oh, hi, dog, welcome to your new home. But then Derek flashes his McDreamy eyes up at Meredith, gives her the smile, takes the dog. Hands the dog to Addison, who takes it inside. And you can just tell she's like, I am doing whatever I can to make him happy. Even if that means that he is going to have a connection with her and that would be talking about the dog. Yeah, and I think that's what Derek kind of wants. Like, as much as he does love dogs, it also means they're going to have this connection because they're kind of sharing a dog I mean, I'd be really fucking miffed if I was Addison. How tightly has he got her around his little finger that he sold this to her as a great idea that they can bond together over this love of a dog? Yeah. 
Oh, and then Meredith also tells him that it's not toilet trained. As a little parting gift. Haha, <laughs> it's going to pee all over your bed like it did Izzy's. Bye. Except that's not how she said it. She should have, but that's not how she said it. So that is our final scene. But what we are left with as viewers realizing that something's going to be happening next week because underlying this whole episode is what we've been nervous about, which is they have been overworking these nurses. Yep. These nurses are taking the grunt for all of our interns only having to do 80 hour weeks and they are pissed about it. Fair enough pissed. They should be pissed. Because Webb is not only hiding from uh, Sophie, he's also hiding from the head of the nurses. And he has spent all day dodging her requests for time off. Uh, she's tried to help him by saying things like, you know, we need to lessen the OR board. Webb was like, no, it's beautiful. What are you talking about? Giving him all of these chances to rectify small issues that would just help the nurses. Mm-hmm. And it just sounds like the nurses are just, they're doing this in a really compassionate way. They've written formal letters. They're really trying to have talks. They're trying to lay it out. But Weber's being a dick. Mm -hmm. He even says at one point to, I think it's his assistant, he says like, you used to be one of them. Can't you speak nurse? And then he just completely dismisses this letter that was written to him from the nurses. And she does speak nurse and she's told them exactly what they should do. And- in the middle of surgery at 6.05 p.m., Dr. Weber is told that the evening shift nurses have just come on and no one will be replacing them in the morning. The nurses go on strike. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So they have what? Fair enough. I say go nurses, go you. You deserve a strike. You mm-hmm. deserve to ask for what you want. Demand. And get it. Demand. Demand. And it's not even what they want. No, that's so true. It's just like the bare legal. Minimum. Well, actually, we don't know what they we don't know what their demands are yet. I'm sure we'll find them out next episode. But it's thing. It'll be things that they deserve, Correct. not things that they want. Things that they probably need to do their jobs properly. <laughs> what? It's. I don't think they're going to be asking for like um, tickets to the movies or a bowling night. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i would love to see gray's anatomy at the bowling alley bowling rink why was i gonna say rink it would be so good i love it when they play softball so i love it when they do little activities together so yeah i'd be so keen for them to go bowling yeah because someone's foot's gonna get broken do you know who's gonna be the best if they go bowling who's gonna be the best at it it's gonna be weber yes it's gonna be weber It's going to be Weber. He's a man who grew up when bowling was a fun time activity that most people did reasonably frequently. Mm. America's pastime, Weber, hands down, and Bailey. I don't think we'll be very good at bowling. I mean, I would would love to see it, but I feel like Christine's going to be bad. I'd love to see Christina be absolutely fucking terrible at it. Christine's going to be bad. Alex is going to throw them really hard so that they, like, thud when they land. Yep. He'll be okay, but he'll every time he does it, it'll just be like angry throws. I reckon Izzy will be the surprise because she used to work at the back of house of a bowling alley when she was like 12. Oh, yeah. It'll be something like that. Yeah. She was like, there was a bowling alley near the trailer park and I like, yeah, used to come here. Yeah. She'll be a surprise. She won't win, but she'll be good. She'll be good. She'll come out in the last few rounds be like, no, no, I can't play. I can't play. Ooh. Who's going to hurt themselves though? 
Meredith and she's going to do it in front of Addison. That's going to be sad and pathetic. <laughs> yeah, but then Derek's going to come rushing to her aid. <sighs> yeah, he will. Damn, this that is would a, be good a good episode. Story. <laughs> this is a good episode. I'd love to yeah, watch I'm this episode. Oh, and the soda guy burn gets oil burns from the popcorn machine. Oh, yeah. And that's why they go to hospital. Because they always have to end up going to hospital. It's going to be a, is there a doctor in the house moment? He gets a burn. He flings something and one of the other attendants falls over and there's just a massacre in the concession stand. Hot dog water flying everywhere. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What if it's a um, doctors versus nurses bowling night? We don't know enough about nurses. Oh, no. No, but I would love that. Interns and... Um, Attendings. Attendings. And higher, yeah, yeah. Stay tuned for future episodes planned by Ayla and Tamsin. Anyway. (laughs) Thank you for coming along to our fictitious bowling episode of Grey's Anatomy. An absolute Which is a lie. Um, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please leave us a review, leave us a comment. Just let us know how you would eat your hot dogs in a competition. We would love to know and we would love to judge you on it. Are you terrible at bowling or is it always 10 pins down? That's that's how we talk about bowling, right? Oh, gosh. Thank you so much. We love you. Bye. Bye. Sing it. Vagina. Vagina.